1: Hello, hello. Welcome back to the show. Uh, You guys, this is Morgan Zegers tuning in live from Jerusalem. I'm in Israel, still in Israel, uh, and I want to keep it Israel-focused and faith-focused while I'm here just to kind of keep it authentic for you guys. It's also really hard because the hours are basically the opposite of my hours in terms of day and night. And so I'm really confused, and it's hard for me to keep up with American politics. But to be honest, when I open up the news on my phone and see what's going on over there. Yikes! You could tell. Uh, basically, it's it's kind of hard for me to not be with all my tech equipment because I would absolutely be reacting to quite a few things right now. Um, but we're a little limited with my travel pack right now, so we're gonna keep going with the on brand in terms of the Holy Land content. I'm gonna tell you a little bit about the trip, and then I have some thoughts. I mean, while I'm here, I just can't help but make so many connections to what we're facing and the fact that this civilization, I mean, we're talking me seeing buildings that are thousands of years old. We're hearing stories of, of people from thousands of years ago, and we're able to walk where they walked and, and read their words and see the paths that they took, and how their decisions had such an impact and how the people now today have such a strong tie to the land from thousands of years ago. It's like, geez, we're, America is so young. I mean, n- not even 300 years old. And look at the problems that we have now. Look at the amount of things that have happened in our tiny sliver of existence compared to the rest of human history. We've achieved so much. And then what's even more shocking is in a micro, micro amount of time, we have completely fumbled it. We have completely lost it or nearly. There's a little, there's a little chance, but in this short amount of time, I mean, Rome lasted a thousand years and in this short amount of time of less than 300 years, America rose to absolute glory and look at us now. Now, again, I don't have my audio board, so there's a lot of things that I have links of that I want to react to and really break down with you guys like I usually would. And I'll do that in future episodes. I'll be back soon. But for now, there's a few things that I want to talk to you about my experience, especially at the sites that are biblical, that were in the gospel. And I just felt that it's important for me, even though my faith is usually a private thing, I've really been trying to share things. And especially the the history combined with the faith here in this city is just fascinating. And, and up in Sea of Galilee, it's north of here, if you guys aren't familiar with the map, but it, all of Israel Encompasses so many important holy spots where God really communicated to humans through Jesus. It's really fascinating. So the his, the history nerded me is nerding out to a level never seen before. You could say. I mean, when I go to like Saratoga Battlefield or when I'm in Washington D.C. and looking at those documents, that's cool enough. But to be here is kind of insane because these events inspired our founders. They inspire us today, and they inspired our founders. Our our founders were reading the Bible. And actually, it's so for Turning Point USA, it's Constitution Week. So they asked me to film a video while we're here in Jerusalem, just a quick little real selfie. And so I did it and referenced Federalist 2, where John Jay, who writes again, you guys, as Publius. They used Publius, the Federalist did, um, when they were writing the 85 Federalist Papers. And so John Jay wrote 2 through 5 of the 85 Papers. In Federalist 2, they make the beautiful case That this country and this people, so think about it at that time, this fertile country with fertile land, navigable waters, natural borders, and plenty of opportunity for expansion was placed in front of a people that desired self governance and freedom. And the combination of this land and this people, our founders believed that we were brought together by providence. Now, everybody has their own views on it, but I believe that that's beautiful. And if you haven't read Federalist 2, I hope you know that that's one of my favorite Federalist papers. I talked about that in the Turning Point video today and just made that connection of how, you know, Jerusalem, the Jews believe that the Western Wall is the closest they are to God because they are not allowed on the Temple Mount. That's a whole topic that we'll discuss one day. When I'm when I'm capable of a, a proper history lesson. I don't want to lead you guys astray with anything that's incorrect. But the Jews are not allowed up there. I don't know if you knew this. The Temple Mount, let's get into it actually. Let's do a little, let's do a little thing. The Temple Mount was built on top of the area, Mount Moriah, where many biblical things happened. The first temple was destroyed. The second temple rested on top of a platform that was built because the mountain, it's, you know, it's a mountain, so it's got this curve to it, right? To create more space for a large and grand temple, a platform was built that is just massive, like football fields, huge. You could Google it. The second temple for the Jews was put on top of it. It was destroyed. And when Jesus came, he looked right at it and he said, not one stone will be left of this because he, he foretold that that temple would be brought down. And what do you know about uh, in this 80s, 60s or seventy, it was brought down by the Romans. No temple is there. Eventually, hundreds of years later, the Muslims came about, right? Islam becomes a faith and the Muslims are in control of Jerusalem and the land surrounding it. And I'm not going to get into the many factors, but in an area where the Jews had been for thousands of years, where their holy temple had been destroyed, and where they believe a third one will be rebuilt when the Messiah comes. The Muslims built not a mosque, but more so a building, a structure to more so honor the significance of the location to their faith. And they did it right on top of the Temple Mount. So when you look at the map of Jerusalem, the thing that stands out to everybody is the gold dome. It's called the Dome of the Rock. And that is the Muslim building, not a mosque, on top of the holiest site for the Jews and the location where Jesus is supposed to come back when he does come back one day to Christians all three. Are you you seeing how this is like a big pickle, right? Now you can kind of understand how sensitive the situation is. All three faiths honed in on one spot. Now it gets more and more complicated the more we get into it. But some of the things that I want to talk about today, you know what, let's just get right on into it. I I don't even know. I feel bad for my editor, Zach. Zach, you can keep this in, but I forgot to give a little opportunity for you to play the do-do-do-do-do-do. So maybe you want to play that now. Okay, and I just got to cut in before we get deep into the podcast, you guys, because I just found out Vara Safety's Reach 2S, the product that I love to use in my home for storing my firearm in a safe and reliable way, but also allowing me immediate access with proper grip. Guess what? It's back in stock. So you guys... I use this all the time. I've been loving it. I've had it for months in my home. It's different from a standard gun safe because it's a hybrid between a safe and a holster. It has a biometric sensor on top of it that lines up with your thumb as you pull the gun from the holster and only your thumbprint or anybody else that you had as an authorized user, only these thumbprints authorize the gun to be unlocked from the holster. I can't express enough how important this is, especially for families with Children. Okay. It's the fastest way to get my gun, and it also checks all the boxes for security and reliability. Vara Safety's product is made in America, actually, near my hometown in Saratoga, New York, is where they're based. You can get yours. It's going to go fast. They literally always sell out at varasafety.com. V A R A Safety.com. I have the Reach 2S. It is back in stock. It will be out of stock soon. Okay. It'll be sold out soon. Go to varasafety.com. I hope that when you see the visual of Jerusalem, I hope you guys whip out your phone. Look up right now. Look up the, the skyline of Jerusalem and you'll see the Dome of the Rock. It's gold. Now you know that that's the, one of the most, the most, it's the most holy site for Jews. And it's one of the most holy sites for Christians. That structure, the, the Temple Mount, on the corner of it is the location. First of all, Jesus was there on the Temple Mount. That temple that was eventually destroyed by the Romans He was there, he was in there. That's where he would have been. That's that when he talks about this or when the the gospels discuss where Jesus was in Jerusalem, that's that temple, it's gone. And another area on the Temple Mount is actually the area where he was tried. Across the ravine, there's this little ravine. Once you get off the Temple Mount, which is again, the big platform. Once you get off the ravine, you just go down the little valley. It's a tiny valley, like I walked it. You go down the valley, and you walk up the hill a little bit, and you're on the Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives is where Jesus went the night before his crucifixion, the night that he was betrayed. After the Last Supper, he goes to the Mount of Olives. And if you guys have read the Bible, if you've read the Gospels, you know that Jesus is sitting there in agony, and he's praying in agony. He's sweating profusely because he knows what's going to happen tomorrow. And it's actually eating him up inside. I mean, it, the, the fear that he felt is actually what really, it touches me. I, that gets me every time is even he was really, really scared. And they say that his sweat was dripping like blood. So on the Mount of Olives, where this happened and where he was doing this and God sent an angel to comfort him, there is a church now built. And I got to go to the church yesterday. What we ended up doing was going to the Mount of Olives, going to this church, seeing the rock that they claim, you know, it's, it's hard to really understand the, the seriousness of the locations, right? you really never know in most situations, but our tour guide kind of gave us an A, B, C site rating. And he looked at this and he said, this is more of an A site. And that's based on accuracy of the site. But what we ended up doing is we went from the Mount of Olives, we went to the Garden of Gethsemane where this stone is that people hold and pray and I did the same and then we walked from there through the path or the direction you know I don't know the actual path for the direction to Jerusalem that Jesus walked as he was brought into the city to be tried where he would be found guilty where he would be then walked carrying his cross to the crucifixion site. So then we walked to the crucifixion site and then back to the hotel. But it was a really wonderful experience. I have one more thing that I want to tell you about what I had happening today on the series of tours, but I'll tell you that after this because I've got some interesting news, you guys. Mike Lindell is in the news, okay? I think we all know what what I'm talking about with that and we'll talk about that in just a second actually as well. But I want to remind you guys that this Patriot, also has a wonderful business, My Pillow. Okay, My Pillow is having their biggest sheet sale of the year. You all have helped build My Pillow into the amazing company that it is today. And now, Mike Lindell, inventor and CEO, wants to give back exclusively to his listeners. The Percale and Giza Dream Bed Sheet Sets are available in a variety of colors and sizes, and they are on. Sale all of them for as low as $29.98 with listener promo code MORGAN. People, use code MORGAN. Order now because when they're gone, they're gone, okay? So the Percale and Giza Dream Sheets. They're breathable. They have cool, crisp feel. They come with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Don't miss out on this incredible offer. This is a limited supply. So order now. You guys, I have these. I love them, and I love the MyPillow slippers, okay? I'm not even... I'm not even told to promote these ones, but guys, I love the slippers. I wear them all the time. I wear them during podcasting sessions, actually. So call 1-800-738-8374 and use promo code MORGAN, M-O-R-G-A-N. Go to MyPillow.com. Use Radio Listener Square and promo code MORGAN for a discount. All right, let's get back into it. So you guys, lots going on in the country right now, right? We have some issues. Like I said, it's hard for me to track the news. But there's one thing that I did see, and it's that Mike Lindell was just raided. Now, we discussed on previous episodes that dozens, dozens of Trump supporters and high-level Trump supporters at that have potential to be raided over the next, who knows how long, period of time. The concern that they are building, that the the deep state, that the radical left, that the elites in control, the people in power and the Biden administration. And let's be honest, Biden's not in charge. The people behind Biden in charge in our federal government and in the bureaucracies, they are building a fear throughout their political opposition of who's next. First, it was President Trump himself. Want to know why I think they started with him? Because they just showed that they could basically do it to anybody. Because instead of starting low, they were kind of, then they would be like, oh, well, like, think of me, a tiny little fish. They invaded what, Morgan Zegger's home? They raided her home? Well, it's Morgan Zegger's. Who cares? But then it's like, wait, they invaded Charlie Kirk? Okay, well, you know, wait, they invaded the president of the United States? They, they didn't get worse and worse and worse with their actions. Instead, they just started at the top. And now, Every person below President Trump, aka the the former president of the United States, is now saying, could it be me next? The people in the highest levels of friendship and professional relationship with the president of the United States are shaken in their boots, probably. And by that, I don't mean that they have true fear of the government, but they know that it's coming for them. And fear can be a very powerful thing in controlling someone's mind and their behavior, their actions. It can stop them because when you have a family to protect, when you have food that you need to put on the table to feed your children, when you have other family members to take care of, things become complicated with how much you're willing to sacrifice. I think it was intentional that they raided Trump first and now they're coming for the rest of them because it was a message that if we can get this guy, we'll get anybody. They didn't start with the tiny fish, right? The Morgans, the Hughes. (laughs) Um... So that happened. I see that. And I'm not going to give you a spiel as if we haven't been talking about this for months, for years. You should know this by now. The radical left is not interested in respecting our constitution. In respecting our rights, our privacy, our freedoms. They do not believe in these concepts. They do not believe in the bill of rights. They do not believe in classical liberalism in the the sense of Authority and force versus choice over your life and individual sovereignty. Sovereignty over oneself. Those things are just, they they contradict the kind of power, the levels of power that the left wants. That's why you see things like them wanting to pack the court because they didn't get a Supreme Court decision that they liked. That's why you see them wanting to remove the Electoral College because their candidate lost in an election. It's why you see them wanting to get rid of the filibuster because the filibuster prevents them from passing a radical piece of legislation. Guess what? The filibuster was put into our system of government, given to the Senate as a power, so that a Senate concerned about the rise of a radical bill that would lead to destructive ends in our country could be stopped. A filibuster is supposed to stop a radical majority. Say they have the votes. Say you have the votes, but it's because things have gotten so crazy and a majority, which is something that the founders knew that we needed to be concerned about. Okay, you can have an uneducated and ignorant majority. That's a big concern throughout all of history. That easily happens. So how do you check a majority to make sure they don't oppress a minority? How do you make sure that people who are led astray, but have the numbers they need. Like think of California, largest voting populace in the country. And look at the state of that place. They should not be making decisions for all of America. So we have things like the Electoral College. Now think of the filibuster. The filibuster is the best example, I would say, of checks and balances and how the left wants to remove it. It's put in place to specifically stop radicals from putting in policy that would radically change our country In a way that is unfixable, that is too damaging to ever recover from. There's a big difference between a piece of legislation like that passing and destroying everything versus, you know, you're a Republican and a Democrat passes something and you're not thrilled, (laughs) right? Big difference. Obviously, we as Republicans, we would always want to have our legislation succeed. And when the Democrats pass something, we're not exactly thrilled because we see the solution to the problem as something else. But imagine it's something like the Green New Deal, or imagine it's something like nine-month abortions. That's the kind of stuff the left is talking about now. And that is so extreme and so far away from the standard that was just maybe five years ago, 10 years ago in our country in terms of the Overton window, that it requires the filibuster. It requires people standing up. Even though it may have majority votes, it requires the filibuster leader to stand up and say, we're going to filibuster this. We're going to prevent you from passing it. For the sake of the country. That's what it's really for. For the sake of the country, in case it ever becomes that serious. The left says, you know what? This legislation we're proposing is going to get filibustered. So let's destroy the filibuster. They are completely ignoring the fact that the filibuster exists for people and movements and ideas and policy proposals like theirs. That's the whole point is they're so clueless on this stuff, they can't even see that these rules they're destroying were put in place to stop people like them. Or, oh, did I just, did I just say something important there? Do they realize that the rules, the laws, the, sh- the protections that they want to get rid of that stop them from achieving their political goals are put in place specifically to stop dangerous people from achieving dangerous political goals? Or are they aware of exactly what those rules are intended to do? They know that their policy proposals, as they become more radical, will be met with a filibuster. And so they don't want to be stopped anymore. They know that it's intended for them and they want to get rid of it because they don't like being stopped. They believe in pushing forward at all costs. There's there's a term in communism, and this is, I think, from the prince. So Machiavelli. And then communists took it and perverted it into this disgusting thing that it is now. But basically communists believe that the end justifies the means. So a radical leftist who thinks they are saving the world from doomsday in 10 years because of climate change uh, will be willing to sacrifice the entire energy grid just to save the world from this just to achieve this end in their mind now the problem is the means they use to achieve their dream end lead to massive destruction not the end they intended what's another example uh if you look at the ussr the communists in the soviet union and really any other dictatorship with communism in it they are willing to do some scary things to achieve their ends they dream of a communist workers utopia where everybody's equal, where everybody does the same work, everybody's uh, paid according and gives to according to their own means. This is impossible to achieve. Removing economic and financial independence from the people, freedom from the people is devastating and it gives the state full government control over their lives because when you control the money, you control everything, especially over the people. To continue to achieve this, Communist dream that they have, this utopia, things start to fail. And then they have to do things like send people to re education camps, send people to forced labor camps, send people to the fields to work as slaves, and kill any opponents that speak out. So begin totalitarianism, where they are only accepting their views, their speech, and anything that supports them. Any wrong thinkers, any opposition, they're gone, they're dead. They are willing to do these things, right? Because these means will help them achieve their end. And they believe that it's truly worth it. Is it ever worth it? No, because they never achieve their dream utopian end that they dream of. So then bringing it back to what we see in this country, the radical left, you're seeing them move into a territory of fear, of force. To raid and leak information about future potential raids on how, who knows how many houses of political allies of their political opposition and political candidates running against them. To do such a thing shows that they are willing to go around a, the American way of doing government, or at least what our founders intended, right? What we fought for, the freedoms we fought for. They're willing to ignore our freedoms. Ignore our constitutional republic and the practice of electing leadership. They're willing to ignore many, many important things, basically, ignore the constitution because they believe that all of this is worth it to achieve their end. They believe that it is worth it. To them, the end justifies the means. Now, when you see this stuff, it's really scary, right? And so that's what I wanted to talk to you guys about next. This raid on now. President Trump and Mike Lindell, and who knows who's going to be next? It's very, very scary in a way. But keep in mind, guys, we aren't filled with fear to such an extent that we will bend the knee. Instead, it's just kind of like we're on edge, right? We're nervous, we're a little angsty, we don't know what the heck is going to happen next, and that alone can can really freak people out. But at the same time, we have to have courage because this is a time for strength, and for pushing through during some of the most tough times we will face. times are going to get worse, but this is a time where we really need to get our act together, understand what we're up against, and move forward. I say this a lot, but our founders made America a constitutional republic for a reason. If you listen to this show consistently, first of all, thank you. If you guys haven't yet, please subscribe. Please give me a five-star review and please leave a worded review if you have time. Just five seconds of your day really helps me out. Subscribe to the podcast. Thank you, God bless. (laughs) And I said that in Jerusalem, so it must be extra important, right? (laughs) But we talk about solutions and how we're a constitutional republic for a reason. So I have many ways that I think we can improve ourselves. One of them is rethinking education. and That's a whole topic on its own. Another is not just rethinking education in the the more official terms, like sending children to school and what's taught in that school and how the teachers are, are trained and all those things, but instead, how do you raise up an individual in society to become a member of that society, a citizen that will understand and carry on his or her role in the keeping of the Republic? How do you do that? It's a little different, right? It's a little more, I wouldn't say daunting, but requires more than what our current school system and what our current generations of parents are giving to our youth. That is really harsh for a lot of people to hear, but it is true. I have never seen youth in history behave in such a way while living in such luxury. Yes, you have the Chinese Red Guard, right? Literally, a a communist dictator takes over the country and with his power forces the students out into the countryside and indoctrinates them out there and then uses them, weaponizes them against the people to carry out his second revolution, the, the cultural revolution, where they kill their own parents. They report their own parents. They kill their neighbors, their family members. Anybody that dared to commit wrong think, anybody that dared to remind Chinese people about the four olds of China before it turned communist—so old ideas, old customs, old culture, old habits—that was carried out by the Red Guard. Those were teenage students that were took out to the countryside, trained up to be a violent force. And you know what? They became so radicalized, so indoctrinated in their way after just a small period of indoctrination by Mao Zedong with the Little Red Book. They turned on each other because they were accusing Red Guard troops of not being passionate enough about defending the Little Red Book, of not caring enough about not being forceful enough. That's how ingrained it was in their brains. That's how they do it to youth. But in America, what do we do? We live in absolute luxury. We eat food every day, more calories than are required for our daily intake every single day. We are not required to do extreme levels of physical labor or work or even walking, guys. Everything is easy and not just easy, but luxury levels of living compared to anywhere else. But in America, the amount of money that we have, the amount of material things that we're surrounded by, The amount of things that we don't have to even think about anymore, like how to start a fire, how to cook food, how to butcher and prepare our own food, how to grow our own food, how to structure our own government, how to go to a library and find a book, how to navigate a map. (laughs) None of these basic human things are even needed or thought about, not even thought about anymore. I mean, I I remember I was with someone and a compass was shown and they thought it was like tweezers. They truly didn't understand it was a compass for a map. And then I was with someone else. They saw another compass for a map and they said, is that like a math compass? They didn't even understand that those had been used for maps. Things are used for maps in these ways because that's how people used to get around. When we look at this, it's embarrassing because I don't look at that and say, geez, our school system really failed our kids. That's the only problem. Instead, I say the school system failed the kids. The parents let it happen. The politicians got rich off of it and couldn't give a crap what happens one way or another. And the teachers unions grew every year. More money goes to them every year. Less success happens with our children every year at the same time. It's despicable. You can only do this for so many generations in a nation. And we're at like three or four at this point. You can only educate so many young people in such a despicably mediocre, at best, way for so long before something bad really starts to happen. And that's where we're at right now. It's embarrassing. I am here in Israel, and just the physical fitness of the youth here is insane. The respect that they show to the elders in the street their ability to sit quietly and listen to adults speak to them their interest in learning about their homeland their desire to join the military and protect their homeland from people that are literally their neighbors that want to kill them their willingness to go 3 miles did you know that when you join the israeli army you could be sent to the outpost 3 miles from your home knowing that if something ever happens Your family, your little sister, is three miles behind you right now. So you are the one standing between that terrorist that wants you to be wiped off the face of the earth and wants your country to no longer exist and your little sister three miles away, over the hill. That kind of intensity is put onto the youth's shoulders, and I think it helps them thrive. I think it benefits them. And in America, I can... I can't even begin to explain. I had a very small amount of patience left when I see the crazy TikToks, when I see something like a girl using frog pronouns, frog pronouns. Somebody's using Satan pronouns. Somebody's using devil pronouns. Somebody's using like watermelon pronouns. That was okay. I made that one up, but they they get ridiculous Z and Zer as pronouns. When I see them act like women are oppressed in America. And they continue to use a, a completely anti-math, anti-mathematics approach to evaluating the pay gap, for example. We are taught in grade school, or perhaps we used to be. I was taught in grade school. When you evaluate numbers, you should first ask, you know what? How did you get these numbers of this data, this statistic? Where did you get your information? And what what two situations are you comparing right now? Are they equal? Are you comparing a female engineer With 10 years of experience to a male engineer with 10 years of experience at the same company? No. When the left cites the pay gap, the gender pay gap, they are taking the whole average of a woman's salary of all the jobs versus the men's average of all the salary of all the jobs. And guess what's a little different? Because men and women are different. Women choose based on their primal, societal, and familial desires deep within them. They choose to love their children at home many of the times. And it's okay. If you want to stay at work, I'm not going to argue with it. Okay. If you want to stay in the workplace, fine, whatever. But many women, once they reach that phase of life and they see their babies, they're like, you know what? I was sold a box of rocks. I don't want to go back to the workplace and be a boss, babe. I don't want to climb the corporate ladder. I want to be at home where my effort matters most. And they do that. Or they choose jobs that are just more aligned with the feminine skill set and with the feminine ways of being. And guess what? It's a little different. And men, they take different jobs too that align more with their inner beings. And that leads to pay differences. But the left will cite complete BS. You see this kind of stuff, and I swear I had a small amount of patience for it. And I would just kind of roll my eyes because I'm not interested in changing their mind. That's a waste of time. We are after the minds that could be indoctrinated, that could be lied to, that could fall for this kind of stuff. They deserve the truth. So we get them the truth first. We have the serious conversations with them and we bring them to our side. We don't try and change the mind of somebody who uses frog pronouns, right? Okay. So I see this. I thought I had small amount of patience, you guys already. But now that I'm in Israel and I see the pride, the strength, the fitness, because you literally have to be prepared to defend your border at any moment here, because the country one day could not exist if they ever let it slip. They have so much pride. And now I'm not talking the bad pride, but I'm talking they are proud of where they came from and they want to honor it. That's a foreign concept, literally and figuratively, right? Imagine that in America. I'm going to play for you guys in a future episode. Uh, Savannah Hernandez, I'm like her number one fan. I've never met her, but I'm her number one fan. She does the best videos. She interviewed students on a college campus for 9-11 and asked them what they thought about it. The answers were disgusting. I'll play that video and we'll talk about that another time. But it really got me thinking and just reaffirmed in my mind, seeing the comparison between American children and young adults, young professionals, and the... Israeli young adults and children, the young professionals here, that we've got a serious problem. And I'm not, talking, I'm not talking like a little problem. I'm talking a big problem. This has never been seen before. A nation that has generations of people that behave in such a way. Our manners are gone. Our decency is gone. In many inner cities, people behave like animals. In our relationships, we have no loyalty. We have no intention of actually achieving anything with that person other than using them. We are obsessed with ourselves. We seek validation and short-term happiness, short-term excitement on social media, and we're glued to our phones for an average of, what, 10 hours a day. We have no drive to build anything real beyond a social following. Whereas other civilizations throughout history, other countries right now, they want to build something that will last beyond their own time, that will last for generations. We couldn't even fathom that. Young people can't even, what, what was the joke that I was talking to you guys about? Young people in America can't even go like three hours in the morning without hitting their their little puff thing that, what's the thing with the flavor? That you're seeing how old I am in terms of my grandma-ness. What's the thing where they have the fruity stuff and they're breathing it in? Vape? Is that what it is? Okay. They can't go. It's the little, I see people with it and I don't even know what it's called. Okay. You guys get the point. They they talk about this and Celsius water and they happily consume their toxic food. <laughs> they go through high school, which is funded by the taxpayers with the intention of educating our future leadership generations. They go through high school and don't learn a single thing. They go to college for the social experience as undecided majors. And by the time they're in their late 20s, 30s, they're just trying to figure out themselves at that point. Still haven't really planned anything out. The women are on birth control. Everybody's embracing hookup culture. And by the time they're 30, they're like, "Ugh, I guess this is the end of all the fun stuff. My life is over. When in reality, the youth of other countries are being properly raised with an understanding of their value, their worth as children of God. They are going through the school system and through their families, learning education, learning values, learning morals, learning about purpose, learning about relationships with friends, family, community members, with a partner. They're learning about what their responsibilities are regarding themselves, bettering themselves and making themselves the best possible versions of themselves that they can be. They're learning about their responsibilities with finding a spouse and procreating and raising up future generations. And they're learning about their role in becoming an educated member of society that will make proper decisions to keep the society going. And then of course, physically defending their society. Can you imagine? We could probably count on our fingers, the amount of young people in America who are doing something like that. And I know there's probably maybe like a thousand, but I know that it's a small, tiny amount and it's really unacceptable, really unacceptable. Now that brings me to the fact that I went to a very wonderful place today in Jerusalem on my last day. I visited a place that I believe is pronounced Aish, A-I-S-H. They have a program where they focus on their youth and they focus on spreading, get this, I love this word, Jewish wisdom to their young men. This school was specifically for young men. And the men that we met had already gone to college. They were in their young professional phase and they journeyed to Jerusalem to learn about their homeland, to learn about their heritage their history, to deeply connect with their faith, to become, as one of the speakers said, he was only 22, to become the best possible version of himself so that he can properly serve others, whether it was his wife, his children, his community, and his country, and his God, most importantly. Imagine a 22-year-old saying that. I mean, wow. So I am like in awe hearing this. And that man or one of them, one of the young men spoke and he said, the thing that he really focused on when he came here is that he wanted to think and be more introspective about why he has certain values. Because if you're Jewish, you're Jewish and you have certain beliefs, right? And you think you know about those beliefs. You think you know your flaws. You think you know your 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 triumphs and you're like, okay, I'm good at this, pretty bad at that. Here's what I struggle with. And if you're Christian and you know, you know the same, you know your faith. You have your beliefs. You think you know why you have your beliefs. And perhaps you say, you know what? I struggle with oversnacking. I'm gluttonous. You know what? I, I probably shouldn't participate in a hookup culture. Or a, a lot of men struggle with porn, for example. They're like, I struggle with that. Or, you know, what? I'm ungrateful. But how can you, without, and the example he gave, he said, how can I deepen that evaluation of myself to say, Why does it take me seeing someone with less, seeing someone without a home to say, you know what? I should be thankful that I have a home. I am more grateful now. I was ungrateful. Why can I not just be grateful all the time for all of the things that I have? I shouldn't have to see someone who has less than me to all of a sudden be overcome with emotion and with a sense of introspection. That is one way. Where we can improve ourselves without having to to have it forced onto us, right? Where we can always have an internal conversation with ourselves. And keep in mind, this is again a a young twenty something man who traveled to Jerusalem to partake in this school to learn Jewish wisdom. And you know, I'm a Christian, and so I, I think about this of like, how could we do this for us as well? So what's really cool I want to share with you guys at this location where these guys are they're traveling in, they're learning so much, they're deepening our education, one of them said, there's three questions you should ask. What do you believe? Why do you believe it? And how do you know that you are right? How do you know that this life that you are living is right based on evidence? And how can you properly communicate that you know that you are right? And that's really important. It's kind of like when you're entering a debate, you definitely always want to understand what the other side is going to say first. When you can argue a debate from both sides, you're going to enter a conversation with someone that disagrees with you in a much better way. Then it's more of a conversation. You know what they're probably going to say, and you can kind of level with them and understand the things that matter to them most so that you can, first of all, make the most effective talking points, but also come with a sense of compassion. Now, what I thought was really cool, and because I am so interested in expanding my knowledge of education in the future, I snagged a picture of just the school options that they have for September 2022 for classes. Get this, you guys. Keep in mind, this is supposed to be a whole life education for these young men to really mold them into future leaders. And whether it's like, oh, they run to be leader of the country one day, or if they just want to be leaders in their community, leaders in their life, these are the classes. One uh, section is called Discovery, the classes are the seven wonders of Jewish history codes the hidden genius of the torah and control god's role in history so imagine that but but the christian version if you're christian like me the next one was self-development oh my gosh the topics were infinity and consciousness and then infinity and consciousness part two but these deeper thoughts are so important and our youth just doesn't even discuss them anymore in america The next one was Jewish philosophy. So take that into Christian philosophy, but it's the four pillars of real success. And then what difference does God make? So this one's a cool one. The next one is relationships seminar. It says Jewish wisdom for successful friendships. And the next one is four phases of love. And I think that those are really important because keep in mind, again, these are for young men. What's so special is when you can have Okay, there there's a few factors here. Keep in mind that Jewish men in Israel are required to join the military. So it's kind of like the Jordan Peterson saying, a man should be deadly and then control it. These men could easily grab up their weapon and join in as soon as they hear the sirens in the city, because Jerusalem is literally or Israel is literally smaller than New Jersey. It's a tiny country surrounded by very, very aggressive Arab countries. And Muslim countries that want it gone completely. Every man there and every woman is in the military for a certain amount of time. So these men are trained in this and know this and are ready at a moment's call. I think until they're about 50 or so, or uh, I can't remember the exact age, but all men capable of fighting are ready to go. And same with women. So to teach them things in these classes, when they are so physically capable of certain things, and they're so knowledgeable about military affairs, and history, and politics, and all the situations where they need to be dominating and commanding and aggressive and harsh. And that's okay if men are like that sometimes. There's also relationship seminars teaching them how to be good friends and how to maintain and create and hold relationships with friends and with a, a romantic situation, hopefully trying to find a wife. And then there's one about the four phases of love. And I think that's really special that it's specifically designed for the young men. Um, The next one was Jewish history. And so I I would see that as American history. So the seven wonders of Jewish history and then anti-Semitism through the ages for them so they can understand what they're really up against. And then guys, the last one is self-development, a crucial one. It says the two foundations of living a great life and small steps for big success. Those things are wholesome. They are the paths, the stones on the path, you could say, to success. And at least that's what I believe, for a whole fully well rounded education to prepare you to become a contributing member of society. When we talk about why we need to fix these things in America, I don't just mean, yeah, we got to include all this in the public school, let's shove it in. Now, I think it'd be really cool. I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of really cool groups that do this kind of stuff, like Aish in America. I mean, I just did Patriot Academy, I spoke there and I saw some wonderful students, but. At the end of the day, no matter how many organizations you have, no matter how many charter schools around the country or homeschool pods or whatever, what matters is that families, mothers and fathers, for the next generation of Americans, because this is a generational solution, mothers and fathers of the next generation need to understand that these topics that I just discussed should be handled by them and mentors and other family members and some from teachers in school, whatever it may be. But it must start with the parents. Now for me, for instance, I'm going to homeschool my kids and I intend on, hopefully, you know, this is just a little dream of mine. I'll make it a plan, don't worry. I have this vision of being able to turn the plan and the process that I use for educating my kids, maybe even before I even do it, Turning that into something that I can share with others or include others in and perhaps even start a school. That's like a a really exciting thing for me in the future. And I work on it every day. I spend some time on it. So while I'm in this phase, I'm, you know, just me. (laughs) Just me and my little apartment, right? And I have a house in Texas, but I rent it out. But it's just me and my little apartment. And of course, my parents, I go and see them and my siblings but it's just me in terms of my little nuclear family, right? That I will build one day. So it's my job to become the greatest asset I can possibly be to my family as a whole, but then also as an educator to my children, because I am their first teacher. And I take that very seriously. So while I'm in this phase, patiently waiting, right? Not rushing, not forcing it. But while I'm patiently waiting, I am trying to get as many experiences, as many lessons, as much knowledge as I possibly can on skills, on places and moments in history, on ideologies, everything you can think of. Because I know that I'm going to be the first teacher, the primary teacher for my children. And I want to do the best I possibly can on their behalf. If more people had that mindset and understood that when they're procreating, they are supposed to pass down the knowledge and the ability for the next generation to keep the republic, perhaps we'd be in a better place. But instead, for multiple generations, multiple decades, we lived dangerously complacent, consuming poison, whether that was the, the media or literally the food and the things that we consume, and trusting the institutions and politicians and bureaucracies, and most importantly, the public schools. We trusted everything. Dangerously complacent, barely showed up for elections barely anybody in America votes. You guys, it's disgusting. We did it for too long. We live dangerously complacent for too long and we're going to change that. So I might've had a, a more tired tone to this. Yes. I am tired to be honest. This, the jet lag is that out. It's called. It's really kicking my butt. Okay. So like it's 1130 at night here, but um, let's see what time it is in Texas. It is 3:30 in the afternoon in Texas. So I'm just a little confused and on top of that these locations are just mentally and emotionally draining. So when I get back to do the podcast I sound tired, but I promise these these topics aren't meant to be sad. They're meant to provide hope because this is fixable. Not none, none of this is going to be fixed immediately. I hope you guys know that. There are some small immediate changes that need to be made. Some not small as in like not significant, but Small as in, they are achievable in a quicker amount of time. But the big issues are going to be solved generationally. And so that gives us a lot of hope. Because if we, as the generation that will become parents next, and anybody who's listening to this that is a parent, or anybody that's a grandparent, or that might become a grandparent soon, there's still time to fix the youth before this continues to spread and spread and spread before it's not fixable anymore. So with that being said, you guys, thanks for listening. Please subscribe to the podcast. Hit the subscribe button. Please. Thank you for listening. God bless. Thanks for listening to all my stories about Israel. And I hope you guys have a great weekend. I'll talk to you on Monday. Bye-bye.